Blog Talk Radio. everybody another episode of inside the burger shop we are back on this friday january 20th 2017 it's a rainy gross gray and dreary day here in new york of course today with the big inauguration and the oath given by Donald Trump to be the new president of the United States. It is a a wild day and sort of a day that uh, not a lot of people could believe as they put their televisions on today and watched as Donald and Melania and his family took the oath and take over the White House after eight years of Hmm. the Obama uh, crew who now says goodbye to, uh, to the White House and does their thing. So a crazy day, a historic day, and uh, January 20th as everybody gets ready for championship weekend. And uh, we'll be joined in just a couple minutes by uh, a couple of really big fans that will be a lot of fun to talk to. Uh, Anthony Donahue from uh, the New York Knicks, a super fan and uh, media guy, has a podcast and uh, a couple other things. We'll talk to Anthony shortly. And then we'll be joined by the... uh, the voice of Boca Raton in Philadelphia, Joe Schwartz, who will spend uh, a couple minutes talking about the Sixers and, of course, uh, trust the process, Joel Embiid. And that has been an incredible story to watch and one of the great stories in, in sports as Sam Hinkie, uh sits around and looks at all the things that are going on with that Sixer team and has a big smile on his face because obviously uh, at some point Sam Hinkie will get that uh, another shot to prove what he's clearly been able to prove in, in Philadelphia. So, of course, we can't start any of our shows without thanking our partners, our, our lead partner, Hyper, been with our show since day one. Thanks to Hyper for all the incredible data. You can find out more information on Hyper at Hyper Brands, H-Y-P-R, brands.com. Hyper is the uh, leading 
database and influencer technology with over 10 million influencers on their platform. So we, Hyper works with all kinds of brands and agencies to help identify the right influencers for them to work with. So thanks to Hyper for being a great partner. Of course, thanks to the Crowds Line, where you could go over to the crowdsline.com, make your prediction today, receive gift cards, prizes, potentially even cash if your predictions are right. Big weekend this weekend with the two huge football games. Head on over to the crowdsline.com and make your prediction today. And, of course, our latest partner, PETA Express, 15 Ann Street down in New York City. Head on down to PETA Express, the best Mediterranean food in New York City. Head on, tell Billy Kotler, you listen to the show, get yourself a hummus, an appetizer for free on our behalf. So thanks to PETA Express <laughs> down on 15 Ann Street in New York City. And it's been an interesting couple of weeks in New York City, and of course the city goes as the New York Knicks go, and we're joined today by one of my longtime friends and good buddies and a big New York <coughs> Knicks fan, one of the biggest we know, and that's Anthony Donahue. A.D., it's been tough. How are you, sir? Tired. Tired. Knicks are making me tired. Although in, in life I'm not tired. I always have a lot of energy, but uh, the Knicks are making me tired right now. Welcome to the show. The grill is always hot, as you know, on Inside the Burger Shop. Anthony is the uh, the host of the Knicks blog uh, over on uh, on where is your show actually, Anthony? How can it be? Uh, how can it be you, seen you can listen and listened to? It on, to? Oh, of course, you can listen to it on the KnicksBlog.com, which is through SNY. Also contribute for ESPN New York ninety eight point seven FM. So just you know, the best is follow my social media, Anthony MSG, on Twitter and Instagram. You know, all the information is there. All the links you need to click on are there. So that's that's the best way to go about following myself. And, you know, Anthony's a great follow. We'll talk about his social media and all the things he's doing. But let's get right down to it. Um, it's been Do a we brutal have couple to? weeks. Do we, we have, have to, to, AD, because we got we a, lot of, a lot of Nick fans that are trying to figure out no, what I the know, heck I'm is going on. Are they on Mello's side? Are they on Phil's side? Will Mello be here? So let's start with sort of – what we're seeing on the court, I mean, just multiple heartbreakers. I think they've lost 10 of 12. I was in the building against the Hawks, as you know, the other day. You know, heartbreak city all over the place. You know, what are you seeing, first of all, on the court, Anthony, uh, from a standpoint of being a fan of the team? <clears throat> well, what I'm seeing is um, a team earlier in the season who was 14 and 10, the Knicks were about a second away from actually being 15-10, and 10. if they um, execute better down the stretch versus the Phoenix Suns, they become 15-10. and 10. Who knows what happens? They were 16-13. and 13. They were about, you know, they were in a close battle with the Celtics on Christmas Day. And if you go back to those games, Ryan, and the fan in me was excited because to be 14-10, and 10, the Knicks have only had a record that good after 24 games, I think three times in the last 15, 16 years. So the fan in me was extremely excited. I never thought they were playing that well. But I'm not a Spurs fan. I'm not a Lakers fan from, you know, 19, the mid-'90s to 2012, you know. So as a Knicks fan, you take it. But something said to me, you know, they're not playing that well. And then all of a sudden, like, you go on the – you lose that Suns game. You lose the Warriors game. You lose the Nuggets game. You know, you play okay versus Indiana or Orlando at home, even though you won those games, you, then you lose, you know, 10 of 12, 11 of 13, or 11 of 14 now, whatever it may be. 
And Christos Porzingis said it about a week and a half ago. He said, you know, even when we were 14-10, we weren't playing that well. And I thought that myself. The difference is, is that, well, obviously you're playing better teams now that the schedule's caught up to the Knicks. And earlier in the year, whether it was, you know, home against, you know, I'm going to throw a few games at you real quick. You know, home against Portland, home against Charlotte, in Sacramento, in Los Angeles, the New York Knicks were figuring out ways to win down the stretch. They were making the right plays. You know, in, in Minnesota, home against Minnesota, all those games the New York Knicks won versus, you know, not very good teams, but they figured out how to win those games down the stretch. And the last, has you know, you said you were in the building for the Hawks game, awful loss. I was in the building last night for the, just the horrific loss to the Washington Wizards. The Knicks are figuring out ways to win the game down the stretch. Right now, the Knicks are, I don't know, I don't know I want to say world records is the right terminology. The Knicks are breaking world records right now in different ways to lose basketball games. I mean, they're not just losing by 15 points. I mean, yeah, they're getting their doors blown off a few games. Too, and they had the, the New Orleans Pelicans game last Monday. They got the doors blown off. A few other games, they got the doors blown off. But the Knicks are figuring out different ways to lose games, whether it's not shooting a three at the end, whether it's, oh, it's just, it, it's incredible. They're just not figuring out, figuring out ways to win down the stretch. Jeff Hornacek now is completely confused. There's no way he went from, you know, Ron Baker as the 25th man to starting. Uh, you know, try now you, you're going to try Porzingis at the five maybe with Melo at the four where he should be. Just right now, and maybe things will turn around. Obviously, as a fan, I hope they do. Just nothing is going right for the Knicks in the last two minutes of basketball games. When earlier in the year, when they were winning some games here and there, they were figuring out ways to do it. You know, Anthony, I think a lot of the things you said were accurate just now. You know, the, one of the things I really like is you're saying the Knicks can't find ways to win games. But the thing I don't agree with is, I mean, well, the, the thing that you did say is that they right can't. Now they they're can. losing. Will, no, but tomorrow. you mentioned that they're losing games in many different. They're finding ways to lose. I actually don't agree with that. They're losing in the same way every time. And, and, and those are that they can't guard the three ball, that they can't guard well, point well, guards. Well, I guess what and, I say, what I mean by that, Ryan, is, Every game it's something different, whether it's a layup, a three. So, yes, it's the same thing, just, I guess, a different play. And on the offensive side, Anthony, what you're seeing is, you know, obviously what you saw last night, you saw the same thing against the Hawks, is the ball is in a guy's hands who, for whatever reason, insists on taking the last shot. And I'm not sure if Coach Hornacek is saying, okay, we're down one, let's run ISO for Mello at the top of the key. I have a hard time thinking he's saying that. And then... We're seeing that, and then obviously missing a bunny against the Hawks. This bleeds into the larger conversation about Carmelo and Phil and Carmelo in New York. You know, most people who listen to the show or follow us on Twitter at the Burger Shop know how I feel about Carmelo and that I've been sort of asking for him to move on now for a couple of years. You know, what is your take and what you're seeing on Melo today? He's obviously a very different player. When Jason Smith guards him, he looks great. But when Jason Smith isn't guarding him, it's a different conversation. Um, were you appalled at what you saw yesterday? As far as, like, the last the, the play before last? 
Okay. Yeah, well, no, I mean, you know, makes obviously great first half, 25 points in the second quarter, and then as we as we predicted on the Twitter channel, and as many did, came out in the third quarter, gave up four straight threes to Otto Porter, that's his guy, went 0 for 5 in the third quarter, and in the fourth quarter had a couple big hoops before insisting on obviously taking the last shot that he missed, and then the holding of the ball with the, as Alan Hahn said on Twitter, sort of a not interest in passing the ball before he finally realized I got to give it up, and then Courtney Lee gets killed for not taking the shot. But Mello held the ball way too late. What's your thoughts on how it's all going with Mello? Well, I thought the way he played in the second option, no one's going to play like that every game. He needs to be more of a catch and shoot player now. I hate saying Olympic Mello because anybody could be great playing with those great guys and just be a catch and shoot player. Uh, the, the the play when the Knicks were down once that fade away in the corner. That was an awful shot. There was plenty of time. That's obviously not what Jeff Hornacek wanted to run. He said that in the post-game press conference. I don't know exactly what they wanted to run. Probably something with a pick and roll with Derrick Rose. When you're down one, you don't want to hold the ball to the end, but you also you want to get a good, smart shot. An 18-foot fadeaway with 17 on the clock is not a smart shot. I, you know, it, it's a tough spot right now. The Knicks are in right now with Carmelo Anthony. The problem is that, what Carmelo Anthony needs to do, because it seems like he's going to be here for the foreseeable future with the New York Knicks, he needs to watch. Now, granted, the Knicks don't have Paul Pierce. Uh, the Knicks don't have Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett in their primes. But Carmelo Anthony needs to watch some videos and tapes of Paul Pierce at the age of 30 to 34 years old. And that's what Carmelo Anthony needs to be, especially if he's going to remain with this organization. We have other guys like Christoph Porzingis, like Derrick Rose, who's here now, like it or not. Derrick Rose is here. Uh, that's what Carmelo Anthony needs to be. He needs to realize he's not the Carmelo Anthony that's 26 years old anymore that can basically do whatever he wants offensively. Carmelo Anthony can still be a very good player, but he's not going to do what he did every night in the second quarter. He's going to do more of what he did in the third and fourth quarter. He doesn't shoot a high percentage anymore. He gives up a lot of threes. He do, he's never guardable anyway. He He's not adjusting gracefully. Can he talent-wise? Yes. Mentally, I'm still not sure. You know, Anthony, you're a connected guy with the Knicks. You're around the players. You're around the team. You, you, you're on the media. You're, you're on ESPN New York on Saturday mornings and get your sort of voice out there about the team. A lot of fans look to you for advice and thoughts. You know, this is a crazy time with the with the organization. Obviously, Porzingis missing several games with a very scary injury at his age. Rose on a one-year deal. Jennings on a one-year deal. And then this whole mess around Mello and Phil. I don't believe Mello will be here by the end of this summer. It just feels like they're you think guys he's are at each other's going to wave it. Well, I just think they're at each other's throats, and and, and like every, Michael Kay, who I don't really ever agree with, but I just hear if this guy wants to win. And, and, and clearly in New York, it's all, as the year goes on, he's only going to get more tired and more older, and he's going to have more games like he had in the second half. It starts to feel like he's gonna, the fans are turning a little bit. And, and as they turn and as they continue to boo, I think Melo is going to say, what, what am I doing here? I'll, you know, it's not a big deal for me to go play ball for two months and compete in the playoffs in a Boston, in an L.A. And I think Boston is actually a really good fit for him. H- have you heard anything other than he's absolutely staying here? Well, here's what I can tell you. I, I, I can tell you that he wants to remain a Nick, which isn't exactly breaking news. I'm not, not exactly exclusive information. But, you know, I, I if he wants to go to L.A. and play for the Clippers, he can do that. He can. 
do people in his corner want that? Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's about what Carmelo Anthony wants. And, you know, could this be a power struggle where Carmelo Anthony says, you know, I'm going to outlast Phil? I don't know. It could be. I don't know who's going to be here longer. Um, it seems that Carmelo Anthony, no matter what the Knicks do, he wants to stay. I mean, can you give him some credit for that? I suppose. If Carmelo Anthony wakes up tomorrow and says, you know what, it'll be six years next month, get me out of here, I respect that. I'll still root for him because I like Carmelo. Like, I think he's a good guy. I think whether you've never met Carmelo in your life or not, he's easy to root for. Everything he does off the court, easy to root for. So if he decided to leave tomorrow, I, I, I have no ill will towards him. I don't. But it seems that, Ryan, he doesn't want to leave. It seems that no matter what happens, loss after loss after loss after loss after loss, he still wants to remain in New York Knicks. And I guess in some weird, crazy, psychotic way, I mean, I guess you got to give that some credit. Is that maybe? And if you're going to keep him, if he's going to be a, a Nick opening night, which I think he will be next year, you have to get. Now, granted, he's not the mellow, as I said, of 26 years old. You got to get a distributing point guard. I mean, I know he's been hurt a lot the last few years, but if you're going to keep mellow for two more years and you still got KP, uh, Courtney Lee, you better get on your hands and knees and you better beg Chris Paul to come here. But then again, I don't know if that's the right direction either. That it, I, I'm at times confused right now, and I'm supposed to be an expert. And actually, you know, I am an expert. I have no problem saying I'm an expert. But at times, I'm confused right now of the direction of this basketball team. Well, well, I think, and I think that's not, you know, everybody's okay confused about which direction is the is right okay direction. Is that okay? Well, no, I think the challenge, Anthony, is, and again, we're talking to Anthony Donahue, Knicks superfan and member of the Knicks media, and and you could follow Anthony on Twitter at AnthonyMSG. And, you know, you mentioned, Anthony, uh, that you're confused about which direction they should take, which most people would say is sort of what Phil has been doing, very confused. You have a very young group of players in Porzingis and Cheese and Hernan Gomez. You have a number of veterans sort of at the end or close to the end of their careers and you have a couple of uh, you know one year guys and then of course you have Noah at, at four years which has just been a disaster considering that the Hawks signed the White Howard for three he years. How much that contract? What's that? How much did he smoke before he signed Noah to that deal? We all know I mean, what he, Phil's up to, you know. Here, Phil, you know, Phil and, and everybody likes to take their shots at, at Big Chief Triangle but, you know, Anthony, the direction that I see is one and only one direction, and that is you have a unicorn on the team who's 21 years old and seven foot three. The team should be built around him. Chris Paul makes no sense for this team because he's an aging star like the rest of the guys who gets banged up more as he's getting older. We need the top six players in the draft this year are point guards. You need to have young players growing with Porzingis. You don't need 35-year-old guys at the end of their careers on top of Porzingis. We're not beating Cleveland anyway the next couple of years. You ha- look at what Philadelphia, and we have a guest coming on that is going to talk about the Sixers in a little bit. They grow together. Young guys like playing with each other. They grow together. Putting Band-Aids in just doesn't make sense to me. I've seen it for years now. It's funny the you say that, right? Isn't that what the Knicks were doing? And, and, and isn't that what the Knicks are doing? With Gallinari and Chandler and Mozgov, then if, if you know, I, I hate to go back in history. Obviously, Carmelo Anthony is better than Wilson Chandler and Danilo Gallinari. But how much different would Nick's history have been 
and I've talked to Landry Fields and Wilson Chandler about this directly, if the Knicks just signed Carmelo Anthony that summer, how much different would this history be? No. It would be very different. It would probably be even different. You know, don't forget $70 million that Mozgov, just, you know, got a lot of money from the Lakers. Oh, yeah, he was he to throw in, yeah. in that deal. When I, and I loved Mozgov here. I thought he'd be a big factor. I, mean, I that think Antonio was trying to hide him. Yeah, well, he's not, you know, the point is, is that trade ruined the whole thing and changed the entire direction of the team and, 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 the, and most importantly, the culture. To me, it's not about whether the Knicks could win. Of course, they're a better team with Carmelo today than if Carmelo sits out and you get Jamal Crawford for him. But the point is, is KP and the rest of these guys are not growing because you have a guy there who insists on touching the ball, shooting the ball, and taking the biggest shots. So, Anthony, the big question to you, as Phil continues to look at this direction, is Phil here after this year? I think he is. I, I, I think he is. Unless he, unless, unless Dolan is just, unless, let's say the season ends, the Knicks don't even win. 30, remember, Phil's first year, they won 37 games. He got the job in March. They won 37, 17, and what, 30-something last year. They haven't even got to where he picked the team up at. Let's say the Knicks win 34, 35 games. Is there a chance that Dolan just says, you know what, man? We haven't even improved under you. You know, get out of here. I mean, th- that's always a possibility. I haven't heard that, but I think that's always a possibility. So many interesting things going on. Again, we're talking to the Knicks superfan, Anthony Donahue. You can follow him on Twitter at AnthonyMSG. We know from the hyper data, Anthony, that 11,000 followers getting great engagement, AD, on your Instagram page. About 90 likes for every one of your posts. Clearly a, uh, a guy that everybody likes to see with his shirt off and, and those guns that he's putting out on, on Instagram. Shirt off. Guys I mean, I, listen, serious I've been getting in shape. I've been working on my fitness, but I don't know about public shirt off yet. Well, I see Maybe you know, next coming summer. from hoops. Coming from hoops with your jersey on and those socks up, and you got you know you sort of look like Blake Griffin in those Instagram pictures. <laughs> My hoops game is back on track. I've been playing basketball about twice a week at the Equinox on 80, 80 something in Columbus. I've been balling hard out there. Good runs over oh, there. That's good. You should, maybe yeah, you should maybe do a Periscope live video so all the Nick fan Nick Nation can see what that. Uh, what that three-point look, shot looks like. And speaking of the three-point shot, we only have a couple more minutes left. Last night, Melo kicks it out to Courtney Lee. Looks like he's open. Oh, man. Sitting the, you got, the, <laughs> you got the, co- the Wizards coach on the court. Uh, you know, what the heck is going on last night in the Garden? Well, you know, I was watching the game center court, about a few rows from the court, so I just didn't notice the coach there because I couldn't tell that he was actually on the court. But either way, from watching the game where I was, I mean, Courtney, coach there or not, which coach there is absolutely ridiculous, he needs to get that ball and fire it. I don't care if his father defender was there. Nobody was next to you, dude. You need to fire that ball. Shoot that ball. But also, he was probably also shocked that Melo passed the ball. You know, he held it. You know, he caught the ball with 13 seconds. He didn't make his move until about six seconds. So, Courtney, he was probably in utter shock that Carmelo passing the ball in the corner. But either way, he got the ball. He needed to fire that. But just an awful way to end the game, man. It's the, just, you know, the, from the possession before with Carmelo's missed fadeaway and John Wall's dunk. And, by the way, how fantastic is John Wall? He is tremendous. But just, it's, just, it's, just an awful it's... ending last night, which would have been a really nice victory for the New York Knicks after a really nice win up in Beantown on Wednesday. 
Anthony, this this crowd and this fan base is ready to win, but this fan base has always been open to rebuilding. Young players is exciting. The fact that there can be a rebuild with Porzingis in the middle of it. There are so many great ones and twos in college today that when you watch these games, these kids could come in and a year into, two years into it, change the entire culture. Look at what's going on in the culture going down in Philadelphia uh, with what Joel Embiid has been able to just change. And oh, it's been guy fantastic. So talented. But the culture and the personality, and I was in Arizona a couple of weeks ago and the Sixers were at our hotel and I got to see how these guys operate and they like each other. They're going out to dinner for Christmas with each other and that is such a big difference. This team, I just don't think they like each other. It starts with the star and the president. You know, you've got this Noah situation. Three more years with Noah. You know, we know three years Dwight Howard signed with the Hawks. He, was, he should be an all-star this year. He's had an enormous year. And Noah, a year more and more money. That's a terrible yeah, job by Phil. Sign. Especially Obviously, when you look at, frankly, Porzingis is the best at the five, you know, and Melo is the best at the four. Having Noah, it just, it just makes no sense. Yeah, and obviously Fred Hoiberg knew – not that Fred Hoiberg is uh, Red Auerbach, but obviously Fred Hoiberg knew something last year when uh, Noah was riding the pine, even though he was, you know, dealing with some injuries. But obviously Fred Hoiberg knew something. He knew this guy was, you know, on the verge of getting washed up. And, of course, the Knicks picked him up and gave him a four-year deal. Just, just an awful move by Phil Jackson. You know, obviously Noah's out there trying. I'll never say that Noah doesn't try. But when you rely strictly on athleticism – and playing hard, you have no skills to add to your game. Like, for example, Paul Pierce, he'll be able to play until he's 80 years old because he got skills. He got, you know, the old man game. You know, Joe, he can pass the ball here and there, but he don't got a lot of skill. So if he loses those legs, hate to say it, but he's practically useless. You got it, sir. And before we let you go, you know, I know you're a man of many, many skills and many uh, relationships, and I want to give you a chance to shout out your boys over at uh, Pizza Suprema. I know it's a, a spot that you claim is one of the top pizza spots in New York. My dad at Ron Burger 14, he just absolutely loves it. Also, before the games, I'm hearing there's big lines. I haven't sampled it yet, but before we let you go, Anthony, your thoughts on Pizza Supreme over there on, what is that, 33rd and 8th? 31st and 8th, and, I, and I'll be honest, I've been going there since uh, about 2000. It's been there since 1964, um, owned by my good friend Joe Riggio. I met Joe, the owner, about four years ago. Uh, we became close right away, but just for the record, it's not like, you know, you might know know somebody that owns, like, a burger spot, burger, as, you know, your last name is Burger, and you only go because it's your You're friend's right, place, the, right. burgers, the, the burger's okay. No, I've been going to Pizza Suprema for 15, 16 years. I, I love it. The best thing about it is the sauce. The sauce. I mean, you could ask Alan Hahn, Wally Zerbiak. I'm dropping some big names. Dave Rothenberg. I mean, this place is loved by everybody, and I've built great relationships with those guys. And it's, it's just fantastic. It, it's a fantastic pizza spot. Yes, and the line, they open at 1030 in the morning, and, you know, people are there ready for pizza pies at, you know, at 1020. People are lining up. And it's, uh, like I said, it, saying the best pizza in New York City, I think that should be rephrased to more like, what's your favorite? Because if you once you start saying the best, there's always a place that someone else is better. So I think we should change the terminology when we have this conversation. And say, what's your favorite slice, and then have a conversation because everybody has a different favorite slice in New York, and, and that's okay. 
That's a heck of a point, AD. That's really insightful and, and a heck of a point. And uh, based <laughs> it on is, this right? Instagram, What's your yeah, based point? on all your Instagram engagement, my my favorite is why I like the pies from John's downtown. They don't serve slices; they just have pies. The nice thin crust. Uh, you get a little of the black olives and maybe a little onion, and it's a special, special place and down on Bleecker Street, so shout out to John's Pizza down there. And Look, man, you know, I, I figured based on your Instagram engagement, you, you've been eating gluten-free and getting those arms tight and big, but it sounds like you're still scoffing the pies down at, at Pizza Supreme, well, which no, my mean, dad and you much. have been I, big I, I, on it. Okay, so before June, I've lost about 50 pounds since June. Before June, I was having pizza about three times a week. Now I'm having pizza about once every two weeks. So like I said, I, I'm still having pizza. You can't. Uh, if you're a New Yorker, you might change your eating. You might eat healthier one day, but giving up pizza? Hell no. That will never happen. Maybe light. You got it. Never giving it up. Ad, hang in there. Hang in there. I know things aren't easy right now, but hang in there. Nick's Nation is here for you. We'll have you on <laughs> shortly again as this thing hopefully gets a little messier. And uh, enjoy the <laughs> weekend here. and enjoy the pizza. How about you have me on before game one, before game one of the playoffs when the Knicks are the number six seed? I'll be having a viewing party. <laughs> I'll make a deal with you, AD. If, you, if they make the playoffs, you could host my show on before game one. <laughs> sounds good. We'll do it on my party, wherever that's going to be. You got it. That's the great Anthony Donahue from right, uh, you, the Knicks blog. Thanks for, ha- thanks for coming on. Enjoy the weekend. Follow Anthony on uh, Twitter and Instagram at AnthonyMSG. And he's a big Knicks fan, a Knicks fan who works in the media, a frustrated Knicks fan, and a guy who, uh, who gives his whole life to the team and the franchise and is in the garden uh, as much as he could possibly be. goes to just about every one of the games, and he just must be physically sick at what is going on. So thanks to Anthony for spending some time with us today. And we're not going to even take any kind of break. We're going to head right down south to uh, the mouth of the south, the mouth of Philadelphia and Boca Raton. And I'm sure he's coming from the original Pancake House probably after a big brunch, and that's uh, Joe Schwartz. Uh, Joe, once again, welcome to uh, Inside the Burger Shop. I'm sure you Got a chance to listen to Anthony a little bit in the Knicks. Hope all is well down there in Boca. Hey, Rye. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, listen to Anthony and, and a lot of Knicks talk and enough with the doom and gloom. And let's get into something more positive, which is the Philadelphia 76ers and Joel Embiid. Let's discuss right into it. Obviously, a team that has you know, just been awful for years, and we had you on, I guess, towards the end of last year, and you continued to, frankly, trust the process, and you believed in it. And here we are with Philadelphia, I think, winning six of eight games, and more importantly, have changed the entire seven culture of the fans. Seven of nine. Seven of nine. Excuse me. The fans are feeling good. There's, they're standing. They're clapping. Um, you know, give us a sense of – what the buzz is coming out of the city of brotherly love. The thing is, Rye, is that it's just so positive right now. The, the Sixers fans, myself being one of the bigger, bigger Sixers fans that, that you'll ever meet, uh, we've been so, so many hard times, have gone through so many losses the last couple of years that just to get some wins and to show some positive things, I mean, it's just, it's just so amazing, the, the energy, the the positive reaction from the fans, it's, it seems as though that reaction and that energy is double and triple because of the losing and, and the losses that have piled up. And, 
everyone's just been so eager and hungry for some some sort of success, and now you're finally seeing it with Joel Embiid on the floor, seven foot two, two hundred and seventy pounds of him. I mean, it's just it's almost it's almost impossible for me not to be so excited with the way that they're playing. And and you know, set, like I said, seven out of nine. You know, Embiid obviously seven out of the last. He he didn't play in one of those games, so seven out of the last eight with Embiid playing, and the only loss being to the Celtics in a nail-biter where, you know, frankly, they probably should have won that game. But, uh, you know, just the, the thing that I'm so impressed with, Ry, and the, the thing that I think the Philadelphia fan base and the, and the nation will see very soon is the guy's defense is just incredible. He has – I mean, he wants to be the defensive player, the player of the year. Obviously, with his minutes limitations this year, it's going to be very tough for him to do it. But – you know, I have some numbers here. I know you're a big numbers guy. I know you, you know, your fan base likes to hear the numbers. I mean, just for instance, the last five, the last five games that they've played, Toronto, second best offense in the league, 113.2 offensive rating. With Embiid on the floor, it was at 85. I mean, that's, an, that's a ridiculous number. Milwaukee, the game before that, 107.9, ninth best in the league in offense. With Embiid on the floor, that number went to 89.3, right? Charlotte, 105.4, 14th best offense in the league. With Embiid on the floor that game, 68.3. And I'll just give you this last one. The New York Knicks, 104.5. With Embiid on the floor, they were at 87.4. I mean, those numbers are just staggering to look at. The guy's a monster on defense. Other teams are scared to bring it in. They are, the Sixers are, the number one defense in the league with Embiid on the floor. Without Embiid, they're 25th. Think about that, Ry. Very impressive. Very impressive data and, and statistics to absolutely chew on as you chew on that Nathan's dog down there in Boca that I know you like to like to do, as well as obviously the Nathan's coming out of, out of Brooklyn. I was in Arizona a couple of weeks ago and saw – Joel Embiid and the Sixers live against the Suns in my takeaway, and obviously they played a fantastic first half. They were up 13 and then got blown out in the second half by 30, and the defense that you described wasn't there. But the one thing is I was blown away at how big Embiid is. He's strong. He's wide. He is enormous. That is clearly a big factor here, but how he moves, he wants to be a point guard. He dribbles it, he passes it, and he shoots the three ball. This kid in Kansas didn't do any of that. He was a down-low player who, frankly, blocked shots and rebounds. This whole offensive scheme that he's built, it's almost like the time that he had off for two years paid off because he was able to not only rest his body, but but incorporate an entire offensive repertoire that you just don't see much in guys at this age. You got it right. Exactly. This guy, I mean, the what he does offensively, you haven't seen – we haven't seen this type of size and athleticism in the NBA in obviously since Olajuwon. That's what everyone's saying. They're comparing him to Olajuwon. I think it's a great comparison. Obviously, Olajuwon, in my opinion, was one of the maybe the greatest center that I saw play. You know, uh, growing up in the in the in the 80s and the 90s when I did, and I know you did as well. And I think it's a great comparison. The athleticism, the size, it's just unbelievable 
the the the, the con- what he does what exactly what you said right he shot 69% from the foul line at Kansas this year it's up to 79 and a half i mean that is just tremendous uh to see the the transformation of this guy's jump shot he's got such a smooth touch his three point shot his 17 footer his and once he starts developing the fadeaway and the turnaround i mean the thing is, is we've only scratched the surface of Joel Embiid. He's only played 29 games in the NBA. And already people are talking about, should he be starting on the all-star team? Should, you know, is he one of the top 30 best players in the league? 29 games into it, right? The guy had a ha- at 25 games at Kansas. Before that, he played a half a year in high school. I mean, that's it. That, those are the numbers with Embiid as far as games played. We're only scratching the surface. The guy's only going to continue to get better. This is just the beginning, and boy, is it exciting to be a Sixers fan. I tell you what, right? You know, it's it's super interesting and exciting, and you know the 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 Philly nation is obviously head over heels. You could hear it in the voice of the mouth of the South, Joe Schwartz, who's joining us today. You can follow Joe on Twitter. And what is the Twitter, Joe? Joey Black is that what it is these days? Joey What's Black, the Twitter 26. for everybody. To... Joe, Joey Black twenty six. Joey Black twenty six. Instagram Joey Black. Joey Black. A good follow on, obviously, all Philly sports, although living down in Boca Raton, a big uh, Miami Dolphins fan. And we know the situation that happens every year with the Dolphins. When we look at the hyper data on Joel Embiid, a little over a million followers in total, uh, really split 550,000 on the Twitter and 535,000 on the Instagram, getting about 40,000 likes for every one of his posts on Instagram. And, you know, it's interesting, Joe, uh, the past couple of weeks I've been receiving text messages from a number of my Philadelphia friends, yourself, uh, Scott Rosen, a couple of other people. It, it sort of texts, you know, as the games are getting close to being finished or are finished, these are texts I hadn't received for the last couple of years. Excitement, you know, sort of just uncontrollable excitement about the team and the situation. Bring us through, Joe, what a night in your life looks like when you know the Sixers are on. You know, what what does it do? What's the excitement? How do you get yourself set up to sort of sit down and, and, and view an experience like this? Well, recently, Ryan, the thing that I look at, first of all, is whether or not Embiid is playing. Let's be honest, okay? You want to know if he's playing. He's on this minute restriction. He's not playing on the back-to-back. So, you know, though, though, that's the first thing I look for. And when I wake up in the morning, I want to make sure that Embiid is playing. If Embiid is playing, I'm going to be glued to the television, as I'm sure all your Sixers fans, fans are these days. But the, the thing is with Joel, you're only getting a certain amount of minutes a game, right? He only plays – he's only allowed to play 28 minutes a game. The guy – against Toronto, scored 26 points in 26 minutes. He was a plus 20 in a game. The Sixers won by five, right? I mean, those are unbelievable. For the season, he's a plus 68 for a team that's 14 and 26. That number is just really incredible. In the last nine, he's, he's plus 91 with him on the floor. They're a minus 73 with him on the bench. I mean, those numbers are just astounding. I am, you know, I, my my night revolves on this when the Sixers are playing. My night revolves around when Embiid is in the game. Let's be honest. Uh, you know, you're getting the first six minutes. 
generally the first, the last two minutes of the first quarter. And that's, that's how we're going right now as, as far as Brett Brown. And let me tell you about the, the job that this guy Brett Brown has done. He has been one – he is such a good guy to root for. He's so easy to root for. He has kept this team not only together. I heard, you know, you and Anthony talking about how the team doesn't like each other, this and that for the Knicks. These guys on the Sixers, it's almost like a collegiate atmosphere. They're excited for each other. They're high-fiving each other. Saric makes a block the other night. Embiid is the first guy off the bench – Two blocks. Two blocks. Oh, that that's that that uh, that sequence was unbelievable. I was at Tomatoes in Margate, New Jersey, watching that game, eating dinner, and boy, I just started laughing and cheering, and people were looking at me like I was absolutely crazy. But let me just tell you, right, this team is fun to root for. They're exciting. It's only the beginning. Simmons is about to come back in about three weeks. I mean, I don't know where this is going to take us, but. With that, after what we've put up for the last couple of years, I mean, it's going to be some ride. And people are talking playoffs this. I, I don't care about the playoffs. I'm not interested in the playoffs this year. I'm interested in them and just improving as much as they can and bringing Embiid along. I mean, the guy has gotten so much better from game one to game 29. I can only imagine what it's going to look like next year. You have Simmons added to the mix. You know, Saric, this guy Saric, he – possibly could be the rookie of the year if Embiid wasn't in the league this year. I mean, if, if you could believe that, if Embiid wasn't eligible for rookie of the year, Sarich would be right up there in the discussion for rookie of the year. Those two picks made by, you know, obviously Sam Hinkie, you know, have just turned out to be fantastic. And now we have Simmons added to the mix and possibly some more draft picks coming up. The assets in Noel and Okafor, and, you know, they could do whatever they want with those guys. I mean, it's all gravy at this point when you're a Sixers fan, Ryan. It's all gravy. Well, I think it's gravy, but I'm not sure it's as, you know, smooth as gravy. It looks like there's some significant chunks of the brisket in the gravy because, you know, obviously <laughs> there are a lot more pieces that have to be developed and added before you uh, – a little brajol in that gravy, a little chunks of it if, if, you, if you really need to smooth this whole thing out. And I'm happy you mentioned some of the other players. Obviously, you know, we, I want to talk quickly about a couple of them. Uh, the biggest thing is sort of this Okafor thing, a guy who looked un- unstoppable at Duke, great his rookie year, and now, frankly, can't get off the bench. What's the story with going on with Big Ja? Well, the thing with Okafor, Ryan, is that beginning uh, earlier in the year, they tried to pair Ja with Embiid, uh, pretty much unsuccessful. Defensively, our numbers were awful. Um Ja could obviously score with the best of them, but defensively is very is a little bit limited in what the Sixers are wanting to do. And uh, you, you you obviously you don't need the two of them together, right? They play the same position. They're both centers. They both like the ball on the block. They both like the offense run through them. We, they tried the experiment. It didn't work. Um, Brett Brown for you know all. all what, what he had to do was he had to try it, right? They tried it. It didn't work. And he made the move to go to Noel and try Noel with him. And it seems to be fitting much better. Noel comes in off the bench. He could play a little bit with Embiid at the, at the power forward. The defense is still there, uh, which is what Brett Brown preaches. You know, he, he's growing this program through defense. He was a big San Antonio guy. 
you know, with years of Popovich, Popovich has taught this guy the ways to win in the NBA. The ways to win in the NBA are with, with defense, building the culture like, you, like you've been one to preach, and, you know, team camaraderie, the way that they, the, the way that they play and the way that they like each other. And that's, those are all Popovich staples, and it's, it's trickled down to the Sixers, which I am ecstatic about. But the thing about Okafor is we have three, we have three centers, Noel, Okafor, Embiid. We tried to, to see if you could play them all three. It wasn't working. The Sixers were having no success with it. They've now – Okafor is, has now been, been, been onto the bench. He's been demoted to the bench. Coach's decision. The Sixers are thriving in, in that role. I'm sure Okafor will continue to start in the games that Embiid doesn't play on the back-to-backs. Coming up, they have a bunch of those coming up in the next two months. So Okafor will continue to be showcased in those games. And I imagine that it's going to be a very tough decision on what the Sixers front office does with Noel and Okafor. Okafor obviously is a, has two more years on his rookie contract, so it's, it's not a necessity to move him. Noel obviously is a free agent at the end of the year, so it's a little bit more complicated. But in my eyes, the way that I see it, I think they've chosen Noel as the backup and uh, someone who fits more into the team identity and uh, which is defense and is able to play a little bit better with Embiid. And unfortunately that leaves Ja out of the picture. Now he's handled it very professionally. He, from what I've heard and what I've seen, the guy is ready to go when his number's called. He, he didn't play for four or five games in a row, started the one that Embiid wasn't there, had 26 points and nine rebounds. He played great. Uh, I think he's a, I think to be honest with you, Ryan, I think these other franchises that are trying to, Lowball the Sixers on MB, on Okafor or Null. I think they're foolish. I think this kid's a stud. I think he could score the ball at the at the center position like very few people can these days. I think teams like the Lakers, Portland, the Celtics, these teams would surround him with some great guys defensively, and you could overlook his defensive uh, limitations. But I think he's a stud. I think the Sixers are being very smart with what they're doing. They're being patient. They're not just going to give them up for nothing. And, you know, we'll see what the future holds for, for Okafor in the Sixers uniform. I personally don't know if, if the Sixers are the place for him. I think the Sixers have found their gem, have found their stud, have found their franchise player in Embiid. You know, Simmons is only going to add to that. And then anybody else that you have there, Rye, is just 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 adds to the to, to the process to the process. Good stuff. And again, we're talking to uh, the mouth of the South, the great uh, Joey Schwartz. You can follow him on the Twitter at Joey Black Twenty Six. Joe, two more things before we let you go, and I'm sure you have some significant plans down south in the uh, Boca area tonight. Very loud behind you, Joe. I don't know what that sound yeah, is, down but here uh, the SLS, my SLS in South Beach. Sorry, Ry. They really like to have the club scene going here. I tried to fit, pick out a nice quiet corner where we could talk, but you know they just seem to pump the music and the you know the the, the action from the street here on uh, Collins Avenue. I apologize for that. It's a different Miami than I grew up in, that's certainly so. Two more things before we let you go and get back to your day party, uh, Joe. Uh, um, you, know, you mentioned Simmons, uh, clearly number one pick in the draft. 
What are you expecting as he comes back? Is he going to be take McConnell's role as the point guard? Is he going to sort of slip in and split some time with Covington at the three? What are you expecting to get from, uh, from Ben Simmons this year, both performance and position? It's going to be interesting to see how they incorporate Ben Simmons into the team. They're really obviously thriving right now the most that they have all season. The offense is is moving along pretty nicely. The defense is nice. From what I saw from Ben Simmons this summer and what I expect from Ben Simmons is to be a facilitator of the offense, bring the ball up. Uh, I do believe he will take McConnell out of – out of the uh, starting lineup, uh, although it would be interesting to see if Ben Simmons plays almost, almost like a, a point two. I think it's going to be a point forward, but m- more more along the lines of the you're going to need to put a combo guard next to Ben Simmons. That's why they signed Jared Bayless. That's uh, you know I guess you know they're having a lot of su- success with Stauskas in the lineup, but you know the Sixers offense is going to be based around Embiid, no different than what it is now. A lot of movement, a lot of cutting. I, I imagine it would be something like Simmons, Stauskas, Covington, Ursan, Ilsova, and Embiid is in the starting lineup. But I wouldn't be totally surprised, right, to see the Sixers, the way they do this hands-on approach with these guys that have been injured. I wouldn't be totally surprised if Simmons doesn't start right away and maybe comes off the bench. I imagine he's going to be on some sort of minutes restriction, as that's what the Sixers like to do with these guys. Uh, So he's not even going to be playing. I would be surprised if he plays more than 20 minutes. He's not going to play back-to-backs. They're going to be very, very touch-and-go with Simmons the rest of the year, as they should make sure that he's fully healed and ready to go for next year. I'm excited, as everyone else, to see what Simmons – I think the guy – showed flashes of just pure genius this summer i think he's going to fit in perfectly he's uh he's going to be a drive and kick a drive and and dish to Embiid. can you imagine a a a simmons Embiid pick and roll i mean come on right i mean these are the things that i dream about at night these days i can't wait till it happens we're only a couple weeks away from it and the sixers are are in such a such a great building position for the future sam hinkey can't say enough about the guy. I've been a big fan of his since day one. I believed in the process. I believed in the moves that he made, the, the tanking that, that was going on. And, and these are the fruits of the labor. These are, this is what the losses were all about. This is what the tanking was all about, to have this situation that we're in now. And I tell you what, Ryan, in, in four or five years, the Sixers are going to be one of the top teams in the league and not going anywhere for a while. Not going you know, it's anywhere. funny, Joe. I can't. I'm trying to think. I can't recall the last time there was a one-five pick and roll where the five was a much better shooter than the one. I think people see Simmons as a tremendous ball handler and passer. Can't make a shot. It'll be interesting to see how they guard those pick and rolls because the five man indeed I, is nasty, but the Simmons, the guy who's actually playing the one, you know, can't really shoot it. That'll be an interesting thing, you know, to watch as we look forward to Ben's uh, comeback. And before we let you go, you know, obviously huge basketball fan, Joe, big DraftKings. Guru. 
guru as well. Wanted to quickly connect on the Knicks. You know, this is obviously a big New York-based show. A lot of conversation earlier that you got to of hear course. with uh, Anthony. Of and course. I know you have some strong feelings on what's going on here in New York, both from the standpoint of your feelings on Mello and you know, your big fandom of the big chief triangle. You know, Joe, give us a sense of both what you're seeing, what you're feeling, what you're hearing around you know, NBA world, social media, when it comes to the New York Knicks. Well, as an outsider and a, uh, a non-Knicks supporter, um, you know, me and you, have, we have spoken throughout the year. We exchange text messages and, and some conversations on the Knicks. So you know where I stand. I'm a big fan of Phil Jackson. I think that Phil was a brilliant coach. He, he, was, a, he was a mastermind. But as a GM, I think that some of the moves have just been absolutely awful. He's nowhere to be seen. He, he doesn't. You know, you guys brought him in to be the face of this franchise. He's nowhere to be seen. All he write, you know, he tweets about how he, you know, he breaks up with his girlfriend, but he can't tweet about, you know, Carmelo Anthony and 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 just discuss that type of stuff. I don't like the moves that he's made. I think bringing in Noah for that contract was an absolute disaster. I don't. I Rose. I mean, just a stopgap. Another guy who. You know, who's just in it for himself, who just wants to make the money for the next contract, not a team player. You know, me and you have spoken, and you know how I feel. Porzingis is an absolute stud, fell into Phil Jackson's lap in the Knicks at at the four pick, and that's the future of the franchise. They need to build around him as fast as possible. You know, cut ties with Mello, however you could do it. You need to move on. To have those guys surrounding Porzingis is just, it's just an absolute uh, awful, awful situation in my eyes as an outsider looking on. The last, the last people you need Porzingis to be mentored in in the NBA is, is uh, Mello, Rose, and Noah. I mean, come on. You want to you have some professionals around this guy. To, to, this guy's young. He's impressionable. These are the, the, the very building, beginning of the building years for this guy. And I just I, – I, as a Sixers fan, sit there and find what the Knicks are doing is just absolutely laughable. I, I think that they're in a, in a very, very tough spot with the Mello situation. I think that as soon as they move on from Mello, and me and you have spoken about it, you've been an adamant uh, supporter of, of moving on from Mello as, as, as soon as possible, and I couldn't agree with you anymore with, in, with that aspect. And, you know, I think until they, until they move mellow and until they move on from that, I don't think that the Knicks are going anywhere. And, and I, I only think they're taking, taking steps backwards. That, that's, uh, I know it's tough for your fans to hear and your, your listeners to, to hear, but, you know, that's my opinion. You build around Porzingis. You get guys that, you know, for the future, and it's not now for New York, and uh, that's the way you got to build it. And uh, I, I'd say – you know, you. I think you tweeted something out. I think Hinky would be a, a great fit there, building the the process uh, in New York. And you know, I think I think Sam Hinkie is going to be a a, a a huge, huge uh, get for anyone. I imagine he's going to be a top top prospect for all these teams that are tanking at the bottom. I believe Dallas and Phoenix and my. You know, uh, you know, Miami would never do it because Riles, you know, he's he's afraid to give up control. But you know, I think teams like like the Knicks and and these uh, these other teams in the league would would be 
would could look at the way that Hinky built the Sixers, and I think that that's the way to go. I think that that's the way it goes. You don't want to be mediocre in the NBA. The last thing you want to do is be the eight seed and have to play, you know, Golden State or Cleveland in the first round. You want to be bad, build assets, find a stud, and be Porzingis, these guys, and build the team around that. And, you know, if I was a GM, that's the way that I would be doing it, right? And I'm still waiting for the phone to ring, by the way. Still waiting for the call. Well, it makes total sense. And, uh, you know, that, that phone may be, you know, off the hook out there down in Boca or certainly uh, they might be trying you in places in which uh, they can't reach you and maybe think you're in Philly and Boca and Margate, New Jersey, the mouth of the South. Joe Schwartz likes to move around, but the one thing he likes to do is keep his eyes on his team. And you can see by his eloquent way that he spoke about Joel Embiid and, and, and the Philadelphia 76ers that the man knows his basketball and is committed to watching a winner. Joe, enjoy the weekend. Don't forget that sunscreen down there, and uh, enjoy the bat <laughs> once in a while down at SLS. Appreciate the time. Thank you, Ry. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Always good talking. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the mouth of the South, Joe Schwartz, Joey Black, 26, on the Twitter channel. Give him a follow. A lot of good stuff regarding Philadelphia and his feelings towards Jam Hinky and what's going on down there in Philly. And, you know, I, I feel it. I see it. I myself am a huge NBA fan, as everybody knows. I tune in. I, I watch this stuff, and I'm stunned at the level of success and how good this guy Embiid is. And there are games in which you look and say, this guy looks like Olajuwon. Almost like Olajuwon in college, with how his defense and how strong he is. And you know, look, this is a team that was the worst, tanked for year after year after year, challenging. But everybody said you can't do that because the fans won't stay. And guess what? We just talked to one of their biggest fans who stayed around, who's watching this thing come together, and who trusted the process. And while the Knicks fans sit around and traded for this guy and that guy and have a consistent element of what is Carmelo and won 37 games and finished middle of that, what's the point? Win 15 games, grow as a young unit, and if you get lucky the way Philly had with Embiid, now you got an a absolute all-NBA player that can be built around. And, you know, it's hard for a fan base to say we are going to suck all those years. But reality is, is you can absolutely pull – you know, something like that off. So thanks to the Mouth of the South for spending a little bit of time with us. I know he's at the SLS Hotel, which uh, is always a fun place down there in Miami, and I'm sure he's uh, enjoying himself a little bit as the Sixers uh, get ready for the weekend basketball. So thanks, everybody, for listening on a fun basketball Friday. Appreciate everybody's time. Thanks to Anthony and Joe for spending some time with us. Thanks to Hyper, the crowd's line, and, of course, PETA Express. Have a wonderful weekend everybody and as my man mad dog russo likes to say adios Media, buzz and the word of mouth, social is the currency, seeing what the buzz will be, talking sports and culture, you never know what'll be coming next, cause that's the type of podcast you listen to, powered by the hyper, brands, who the man, yo, Ryan at the forefront, got it on my iTunes, walking through the storefront, listen to the broadcast, he touches almost anything, sports, culture, media, technology, and marketing, so listen to the man right ahead of his time, on your podcast, you can download or listen live, so here comes the podcast, here comes your host, for the Burger Shop. Shop now live from coast to coast. In any way you want to do it, listen to 
of the show. Ron got the insights. Birdie shop, you know. Bird.